Yeah. And that's what happened to us. I mean, you just, you can't be, you can't do everything, number one, and you don't have the core competency or in this environment, probably the management staff to be able to do a lot of the things that you could have done 10 years ago. Yeah. It's just not realistic. So I agree with it. Cut it out. Keep it simple and keep doing it so you can duplicate it to grow. And if you can do that, you, you'll have a big scalable business that's very yeah. profitable. This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast, brought to you by G4 Marketing. Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian Kaskavalsian. All right, Scott. So we were talking about, we're starting to hear a little bit of, a little bit of grumbling out there about how things might be getting a little bit tougher. And you just said something that I thought was good. And I just turned on the recording so you guys can just listen in on whatever the rest of this conversation is going to be. And so what did you just say? I said, keep your head down. And, and then I asked you, well, what do you mean by that? I think we're all associating our businesses with what we're reading about in the news. And I think at the end of the day, you have to control what you can control, which is in your four walls and let the chips fall where they may outside of those four walls. And so what I'm finding is everybody's focused on the negative outside, regardless of how positive things are on the inside. And let's, you know, let's be honest, it's definitely harder than, than it, it was a year or two ago. But, but I think we all understand, those of us who have been in this business a long time, that that was an artificial world that we'll probably never see again. Yeah. And so, so this is the new normal. And so for those of us who have not gone through it, I think we, I think it's going to be earth shattering. And for those who have gone through it, I think we have to claw back to our memory banks and say, what did we do back then that we were successful? And if you can figure that out, I think you'll figure out how to be successful in this environment, whether it gets more challenging or less challenging, you'll be able to survive. Yeah. And it's going to be, it's going to be a leads issue or it's going to be a selling issue, one or the other. And so, I mean, are you guys doing anything different in lead generation to, to deal with the, with lead flow? You know, it's interesting. Our lead, inc our inquiries are up year to date. When we look at inquiries coming into our system, they're up dramatically. However, the ability to get in touch with these people and the ability to convert those inquiries is down. So what that means from a, a mathematical standpoint is, is that our marketing costs are up because our conversions are down. So we've spent a great deal of time focusing on our call center, training our call center to be better on the phone, to create more urgency, to have greater enthusiasm. And we, we literally are listening to just about every call and coaching our people through the calls. So, you know, it's having a positive impact, but it's harder and it's frustrating. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of people out there that aren't doing what you just said, which is listening to the phone calls. So let's talk a little bit about why do we listen to phone calls? We listen to phone calls for quality assurance, number one 
but our trainers are also set up so that what they're realizing is when they listen to the phone call, they can jump in on the headset and tell the help the operator or call center representative guide them through the questions that need to be answered for the person to set the appointment. So yeah. what were they what they're able to do is they're able to help them set the appointment, which not only is a training platform for them, but also gives them greater confidence to answer that question in the future should it come up. And then ultimately they have greater success because they're seeing leads that they set and they never give any credit to the trainers. They see leads that they set, which then is a spiral like, oh yeah, I can do it. And it's a momentum driven business on sales and in the call center and they have more confidence and then they can set more leads. Yeah. Now you've got, you know, you've got all the technology, you've got a full team in your call center, you've got managers in your call center. Not everybody, admittedly, that's listening to this has that. And one of the things that scares me, and by the way, and you didn't always have that either. At the beginning, it was you and you and you. Right. And then there was one or two more people that came on. But the principles, even back then, were the same, right? I mean, one of the things that scares me the most when I hear somebody say it is when you ask them a question about what's your conversion rate and they don't know the right, they don't know the right number. And they don't even, a lot of times, don't even know how to measure the number. And then you go back and you say, okay, well, tell me how many raw inquiries came in. Let's start there. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, what I mean is how many phone calls came in? How many of those phone calls then did we convert or did we get a hold of? And then how many of those did we convert? And it scares the hell out of me because now if a client says that to me, it's just, I know that every lead matters. And if you're not doing these things, you're missing out on a ton of opportunity. And this is what's going to cause people to, you know, lose opportunity, lose money and go broke. Well, I also think that, you know, that's one side of the argument. And then the other side of the argument is we all have to acknowledge, especially business owners and the people who run marketing departments, that every lead source is different. Yeah. And what I mean by that is if you're lo- if you're using a lead aggregator for a lead source, you should expect that that lead aggregator is going, you're going to need more leads to, ru- to, to, inquire, to have inquiries to set leads against, let's say, a Google ad or a newspaper ad, because those aggregators are brand agnostic. And therefore, when you call that customer, they have no idea who you are. And so you have to, it's it's a different script. It's a different operator per se, who's used to dealing in that so-called cold call, which is really a, a somewhat warm lead, but not really that warm. But then if you, and this happened to us, when you get too reliant upon an aggregator, your your numbers of inquiries will go up, but your lead set will go down because you have to call that many more people. So then you have to have more people on the phone. Then I mean, yeah. we all get we all get caught up on well, how much does a lead aggregator charge us? And you're like twenty dollars a lead or an inquiry, but in reality, you need ten of those inquiries to set that one lead, and then all of a sudden, you need three operators to call those ten inquiries, and now your call center went from ten people to forty people. Doesn't mean, by the way, you're making more money or even that you're more efficient or even that you have more leads. So those are the those are the metrics that we look at. But but I think the key to understand and remember for all of us is 
is that don't get, don't look at the lead cost as the only process of making that decision. Because if you could get a lead for $400 an inquiry for $400 and you set that to a lead every single time, that's really good $400 spent versus the $20 for the inquiry from the lead aggregator where you need 50 of those leads to set. You have to consider that. Yeah. What about on the the sales side? So on the sales side, is it, I think it's getting harder to close sales. I know that financing is, there's some stuff going on in the financing world. Are you guys seeing some of that? We saw in the, I think we talked about this before. We saw in the fourth quarter, one of our financing companies went out of business. You know, it's interesting. I was asked by a finance company on Friday, I had a conference call with them and and they asked me, are you seeing different conditions? And my answer was, the only thing I'm really seeing is interest rates are going up and the approval process is a little bit harder, maybe you know, a little, maybe a little harder, maybe even harder than a little harder, but I don't have control over it. So, you know, at the end of the day, we have to get approved what we can get approved, but I'm not seeing people being turned down totally, you know, and I think that the environment is an educated consumer is used to a higher interest rate. And I think we as companies in our industry have to get out of this. Well, I'll just absorb it on dealer fees and offer a lower interest rate and I think we have to be honest with the consumer and pass on that increase in the interest rate to the consumer and save the dealer fee because ultimately two or three points to your bottom line is significant to the consumer. They're reading about Fed increases and everything else every day. You're giving them a 10.99 deal unsecured. Like, come on, really? What do you expect? But we're so scared of making that proclamation like, oh, our interest rate is 10.99% that we don't do it. And as a result, our dealer fees are higher. So I think we have to be better disciplined because the market is getting harder. There's less people in the market. I mean, there's no question about that. And the bigger companies are going to be better than the smaller companies at getting those leads for all the reasons that you said before. So I think points matter on your profits. And and every you know in this environment we're looking at everything, yeah. To to try to get better, just try to get better. We don't always make it. We don't always succeed, but we'll keep trying. What is your in in your company? I mean, I know the answer, but what is your when you present price? Are you leading with payments or are you leading with the top price? We quote payments on every uh, on every deal. And, Why do you do, do that? Well, we do it because our our average sale price is very high, and we've we figured out years ago that you know when you go to buy a car, ninety five percent of the people who buy a car are not buying it in cash. So our average sales price at that time was close to a car. Yeah. So the the fact is is that from a psychological perspective, we think that it's easier for a salesperson who makes $100,000 to quote a payment of $250 than quoting a job for seventy-five to 80000 Because on a personal level, he's like, that guy just bought windows. And that was my entire paycheck for 10 months of the year. Yeah. So, so our feeling is it's a mental attitude in our sales force. It roll, $200 rolls off a tongue a lot easier than 80000 or 30000 and 
the consumer doesn't object to it as much. And then also on the other side of it, from an up, from an operational perspective, you can also increase gross margins by offering financing because the monthly payment allows you to increase pricing and it, and it's not significant enough to make any difference. It's a dollar a month. Yeah. Dollar a month could be, you know, six to 7% increase in your prices, which is significant. Like it's, you know, that's the difference between making 8% and making 15%. I mean, it's a yeah. lot of money. Builder Prime is changing the game for home improvement contractors. Imagine having everything you need to help your business grow in one place. CRM, estimating marketing automation with SMS, production management software, and now call center dialer integration, all wrapped into one easy to use package. And it's never been easier to switch CRMs. Hundreds of contractors trust Builder Prime to grow their businesses with powerful reporting tools to see which leads are making money, which sales reps are the top performers, and where to optimize for the greatest impact. We're talking about winning more jobs, boosting productivity, and delighting your customers. Are you ready to fuel your business growth even faster without all the daily frustrations of your current tech stack? You owe it to yourself, your team, and your business to learn why everyone is switching over to Builder Prime, the only true does-it-all CRM for home improvement contractors. Head over to builderprime.com and request a personalized demo with an expert today. Well, and and this is something we've talked about before too. I mean, it doesn't matter that you're, yeah, well, in your case, yeah, your average ticket is much, much higher, but it's the exact same mental gymnastics that the salespeople go through, even if it's a $10,000 sale, and then you compound that, you add in now, the owner realizes after listening to us and coming to Accelerate and looking at their numbers and digging in and saying, well, wait a minute, I like the guys we were just talking about that need to up their prices by 20% like tomorrow. And you said, the first thing you said about that was, well, all his salespeople are going to quit. Well, their average ticket now is 10,000. It's only going from 10 to 12, but why are they all going to quit? because they can't get past it themselves mentally. And so the principle still holds true, even if you're selling a 10,000, if your average job is 8,000 or 10,000, shit, even if it's 5,000, we have a painter, a new a new member in the mastermind group that's a painter, he's using financing on $5,000 jobs. Yeah, I think that, you know, home improvement is meant to be sold with financing. Yeah. I think that, you know, you you as a company have to be prepared for the financial aspects of what it's going to do to your accounts receivable and the risk you have to take. You can't do it if you're if you're not cash flow positive, which means that you can't do it if you're if you're marginally profitable. So it takes you know when we first started doing financing, it was one out of every twenty deals. Yeah. Now it's nine out of ten. Yeah. So you know, financially, you have to be capable of holding that time frame because we don't take customer deposits. So it's a little bit different than what some other companies are doing. But I can tell you that it's a game changer if you can do it and if you know how to do it. And what I mean by that is you can't let the, in my opinion, I may not know anything, but it, but you cannot allow the homeowner, the, the salesman to determine who 
needs financing and who doesn't need financing. Yeah. So our feeling is offered on every quote and you'll bring out the people. What you're going to find is we did a deal today. Perfect example, $100,000 deal, 12 months, same as cash. Customer lives in a, I wasn't there, but I know where the homeowner lives. Customer lives in an $8 million house. I mean, I'm assuming they could write a check for $100,000, like nothing, but yeah. why would they do that if they could use my money or the finance company's money? So that's how wealthy people think. Unfortunately, we as business owners don't always think that way, but the only way to get over that is you offer it every single time to the homeowner and let them decide who's going to take it and who's not going to take it. And I think if you do that, you will be like I was several years ago and surprised at how fast your company goes from finance from a cash business to a financing business. But the beauty of it is, is that you spread your wings out so that you apply your business model to a greater number of consumers because you become more affordable to everybody. And yeah. that's really what you want to do because that goes back to the marketing side, which means that when you run an advertisement, all of a sudden you're appealing to that many more people in a tighter marketplace. And that's where we are right now. You know, it's interesting. I was talking to, talking to a guy today that's in the kitchen and bath business and his average ticket last year was 60 some thousand dollars. And I don't want to give too many details away, but it was 60 some thousand, pretty significant amount and very profitable, well-run business. But he said, you know, this year, I don't think we're going to do as much because getting these leads is getting harder The these, you know, for these bigger 60 some thousand dollar jobs. And so we talked about, because those jobs are three-week, four-week jobs. And I said, well, you do this other side of the business where it's quick. You're in and out in two and three days, and the, the ticket is significantly less. I said, which job is more profitable? And of course, he said the two or three-day one. I said, so why don't you just go to market with that? You know, go to market with, you know, get get your blank, whatever you sell, done in three days or less, and then your offer is a financing offer for as little as $129 a month. And it's a different way of thinking about the business that, that you're in. So if you're in the landscaping business and your average job is 60, 100, 150, you know, what can you look at that's more profitable, that's quicker, but that you can attach financing to also to make the pill easier to swallow. I mean, financing works on so many levels. Listen, we we did the same thing years ago. We used to do high rises, especially in Miami, as an example. Yeah. And we would spend five days between a job that would normally take a day was five days. You had to put it up in the elevator. You had to bring down the garbage. You could only work certain hours. And we realized that we were way more efficient doing homes than high rises. Yeah. And, and in terms of, of the demographics, you know, I have a famous saying, it's we make money on the masses and we eat with the classes. And, and really that's, my, that's how I apply financing, which is I wanna serve the masses. And I gotta be honest with you, when you serve the masses, they pay faster yeah. and they're, they're more honest. And I don't mean that in a derogatory sense, but they're easier to do business with in most cases. And you can do more business with less headaches and be more profitable. And, 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 and you can be significantly more efficient if you tone down your business model to eliminate 
the harder jobs. You want to take harder jobs because it's an ego thing. Yeah. But when you look at the amount of resources you have to do in those harder yeah. jobs, it's not worth it. It's just not worth it. Well, there's also a fear, though. So I've got these other people that I'm trying to convince to eliminate a third of their business. Like eliminate, get rid of it, stop doing it. And they're afraid because, oh my God, it's a third of our business. But what they don't understand and what I know is that by eliminating the pain in the ass work that they're taking on, that's not nearly as profitable as their core business, the two thirds, they're going to do much more of the profitable work because now they're just going to have much more, they'll have more efficiencies, but they'll also have more productivity. Right. And they'll, and, and they'll make so much more money. And the customer experience is better and yeah. the model becomes more scalable so they can grow. Yeah. And that's what happened to us. I mean, you just, you can't be, you can't do everything, number one, and you don't have the core competency or in this environment, probably the management staff to be able to do a lot of the things that you could have done 10 years ago. Yeah. It's just not realistic. So I agree with it. Cut it out. Keep it simple and keep doing it so you can duplicate it to grow. And if you can do that, you, you'll have a big scalable business that's very yeah. profitable. Easier, the better. Yeah. So, you know, it goes back to what you said earlier about, you know, where we started this was, you know, keep your head down, stay focused. The other thing to keep in mind is, is you got to keep getting better. So our staff, when things are tough, you know, let's say we're short leads, we're training salespeople. We're letting them ride with other salespeople. We're paying double commission to keep them engaged. You know, we take leads very seriously and we, and my marketing department's, you know, responsibility is to make sure that salespeople have enough leads to run to get into the house. So when they don't have it, we can't just let them sit at home. So we, we absorb the cost of double commission in those situations because we're looking at it like we're investing in our sales force for the future. And it can be expensive. You know, our sale, our commission expense in, in February was double what it should have been because we were short leads. But the key to that is, is that we have to make it a training process because we know eventually, I don't know when, but we do know that eventually, or we hope eventually that the leads are going to turn. And I can't lay people off for 30 or 60 days. I'll never get those people back. Yeah. Even in a bad, you know, employment, economic environment for employees. Yeah. The fact is we spend months training these people. We can't just say, okay, go see you later. It's not going to so, work. So some people will be afraid to do that because of the cost and they, or even worse, they won't be able to do it because they don't have the cash. I'm empathetic to those people and I understand it. And I'm, and I'm not, I certainly don't sit here nor have I ever sat here, I believe, and said, I have all the answers. But I also think there's a balance and I look at it like investing in your business. Mm -hmm. If you if you've spent this time training these people and they're good, you have to do what you can. You can't put the business at risk, but you have to do what you can to save these people because you as the owner have a responsibility to make sure that their families eat. Yeah. And if and and sometimes you may close more deals with two people going into a house than one. Yeah. 
Well, but also it goes back to what we were talking about earlier is you got to charge the right price. Yes. You got to make money. So if it takes, you know, if it takes financing to up your average order to close more of those people that were on the fence and get more money per job, you know, get the right price for the job. You've got to be militant about your financials. You've got to understand how the business makes money and doesn't make money. And it's all the things that we were talking about. So you're able to do that, you and many others, you're able to do that because you've got the margin to support these short-term bumps in the road, if you will. Profitability solves a lot of issues. Yeah. You don't have to be as efficient in marketing if you're profitable. You can yeah. spend more money when you need leads if you're profitable. If you can't, if you cannot get to profitability, especially in these last couple of years where you've taken all the money out of the business and the, and the business doesn't have the operating funds to weather the storm, you've done a disservice to the business. You can't. So those two things are when I look at businesses and you know you and I talk about this often they're scared to charge the right amount of money yep. so that we are not in a perfect business it's an imperfect business therefore you can't price perfectly because every one of these jobs takes a life on its own you break somebody's couch you do so, you have to give the guys money back well that's not in your financial projections well you yet an installer put caulk on somebody's rug not in your financial projections. And all of a sudden you're replacing every the carpet because it's throughout the entire house, not in your financial projections. So you can't price every job perfectly. It's got to be in your margins. And we, I see so many businesses that just don't charge the right amount of price because they, the right price, because they think Me they're going to get more volume. And that, that scenario never works long-term. It never, never works. So, you know, and, we can and, stand on our heads and we're still saying the same thing. It's yeah. it's amazing to me. And it's, I was going to say, it's funny. It's not funny, but it's, it's almost predictable that it really becomes more of an issue in your, in your mind as an owner than with any, with the consumer, you're more afraid of charging than they will be accepting of the price. I hope that made sense. I mean, they don't know what, how do they know the difference between 10,000 and 12,000? And then some people will say, yeah, but um, my competitors are coming in at 8,000. You're still going to sell the same three out of 10 deals yeah. that you sold before. And I, I will say this. Yeah. So you, you increase your prices. Here's the way this works. You increase your prices. Your salesman typically will not sell for seven to 10 days because they have a mindset of, oh my God. They raise prices. How am I going to get over it? And you as the owner are going to sit there and you're going to sweat it out for seven to 10 days. And then you know what happens on the eighth or the 11th day, they start selling, they're getting used to the price. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you're like, oh, I should have raised the price more. Yeah. So it happens to us every single time. And the mindset is always the same. And we always come out of it 10 days later so that we're fine. Yeah. But that that additional increase in price is significant. And you and you and I both know that the salesman typically will always go to the lowest price. Yeah. So, so you have to build that price into your model. If you know they're going to go to the lowest price, you got to make sure that you're making money at that lowest price. And 
oftentimes that's not the case. And I would also suggest that, as I said before, you have to price your business or price your product so that your business understands that it's not a perfect install. So in our case, we add $75 to every window we sell. It's just like we call it the shit factor. So we put it in there just in the event that we need it. If we don't need it, great, that's found money. But it adds up, with the, especially with the amount of windows we sell. It's a lot of money. Yeah. You know, but I used to call that, I used to call it, well, I still do call it the raving fan fund. So do that too. Yeah. You put a little bit of money aside off of every job, you charge for it, put a little bit of money aside. So when your guy goes in there and ruins the carpet with caulking, is that like, did that actually happen to you? Oh, yeah. It just happened probably last week. <laughs> Truthfully. That's a funny example, having to replace carpet because somebody. Yeah all over it. But anyway, but you have this fund where it doesn't hurt you. You just go into the fund, replace all the carpet, take care of the couch, whatever the issue was, the window that was broken, and you don't worry about it. You move on with your life. Right. But but if you're pricing for perfection, you can't yeah. do that. So well, if you you're know, pricing also out of fear. That's correct. Yeah. So, you know, I've learned that that's how you have to succeed and ultimately that allows you the ability to take risks. Like I didn't, I'm not, I, look, I started out, as you know, we were very competitive in price and, and always believed that we could sell a lot of volume to make up for the inefficiencies. And the reality of it is we couldn't. It only took me 10 or 12 years to figure it out. And then I started raising my price and raising my price and raising my price. And you know what? Lo and behold, we not only became profitable, but we were able to expand. We were yeah. able to do a lot of things we couldn't do before because our pricing wasn't right. And, yeah. and now we've gotten to a point where we can carry sales guys begrudgingly, unfortunately, but we can do it because we, we've planned properly for the future. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. All right. Well, good stuff, my friend. So to people out there, again, let's go back to the very beginning, what Scott said. Keep your head down, stay focused on your business, control what you can control. Don't worry about what's going on out there. Don't listen to it. Just keep doing your thing, get your price and make sure you are making boatloads of money. Amen. Amen. Thank you, my Amen. friend. You're welcome. Anytime. Always fun. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Let me ask you. Did it help you look at your business in a different way? Did it spark an idea or ideas that you hadn't thought of before? Do you have a list of action items that you can take and implement into your business or your life today? I really hope so. If it did, I'd like to ask you a favor. Would you leave a five-star review of the podcast? By doing so, you'll help other contractors find the podcast more easily so that we can help them achieve more success, wealth, and freedom. And before you go, make sure you subscribe to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast so you get access to the latest episodes as soon as they're available. We're always striving to provide you with great content so you don't want to miss what's coming up. In fact, if you haven't already, make sure you go to thewealthycontractor.com and get your free copy of my latest book, The 7 Secrets to Becoming a Wealthy Contractor. Just pay shipping and handling and I'll take care of the cost of the book. So until next time, this is Brian Cascavalsia. 